You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hello, please let me see your ticket subs for the Double Edge Devil Build. This week, Denzel Washington is the equalizer of virtuosity. week, Adam Thomas and Thomas Nuriani will come to the table to discuss the randomly selected yin and yang of a double feature. Then, both will have to pick a number between 1 and 10 in order to seal their fates for the next episode. When we'll have two good movies, the other two bad ones. Let the chaos begin. I am Thomas Nuriani, and I have the personalities of over 200 podcasters downloaded into me. I'm a terrible, awful person. Yeah, you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm Adam Thomas, and uh, I, you know, Moonlight as a uh, Home Depot sort of employee, and then I like to murder uh, indiscriminately, almost. Excuse me, for legal reasons, it's Home Mart, sir. That's true. That's true. Shop smart. Shop ass smart. <laughs> of course. Yes, yes. And uh, with us today, one of our favorite guests out there, it is uh, Mr. Shaquille Lambert. Shaquille, welcome back to the show. <laughs> okay, all right. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I knew someone was going to try to do it. I knew <laughs> and I'm glad Shaquille was the one who did. <laughs> I, 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 did. I was like, oh, all right, so that's the question. <laughs> okay, all right. I see what we're doing now. <laughs> I'm bad. <laughs> well, in case you couldn't tell from that impression Shaquille was doing, uh, we're doing an episode on Mr. Denzel Washington, who uh, we've wanted to do an episode on for a bit. We figured it's February, Black History Month. Why not celebrate some true black excellence with uh, Mr. Denzel Washington? And I invited Shaquille on to this episode because I know you are a big fan of Mr. Washington. Is that correct? I've considered for many, like a long time, that Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time. Like, there, me and one of my friends, we have a running gag, essentially where we argue with each other between who is better between Denzel and Al Pacino, and we constantly argue about this. That I'm like, no, Denzel is better because he's more consistent. And he's like, the highs are higher for Al Pacino, but the lows are so much lower. But again, consistency. And this man delivers every single time, even if the movie's complete and utter dog shit, Denzel is always the one constant of like this man will bring quality to this. Uh, I don't know, our bad choice. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> he tries. It's, it's not infallible. It's not an infallible argument. But most of the time, we're talking like a ninety-seven percent uh, rating accuracy. I'll give you that. I think there's also yeah. I would say that Denzel has never not at least tried. He seems like very much a professional. As opposed to, I've seen Al Pacino just sleepwalk. He's gone full zombie for certain movies. Exactly. He's going to give it his all, even if the movie sucks. <laughs> even if it sucks. True, true. Yeah, Denzel never did a Dunkachino sort of thing. Not yet. I don't know. His career is young. Who knows? <laughs> That's true. That's true. I don't know if y'all have seen the D Daily Dunkachino account on Twitter. Yes. But it's the no. funniest thing in the world. Where it's just the Dunkachino bit. 
But just every single time, it's something different, and it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. Uh, like Duncan Chino as Metal Gear Solid, Duncan Chino as Mulholland exactly. Drive recently, <laughs> which is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a very interesting meme account for sure. But Shaquille, where would you say the sort of affection for Denzel started for you? Honestly, I gotta say it was probably Man on Fire. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the first one where I went like, no, who the fuck is this guy? And then around that same time, I saw that, and then I saw John Q. And John Q is like, I don't think it's a super, super great movie. When I watched it, that shit hit me so emotionally. Just those two, and then I think I saw Training Day maybe a couple years later, but I was like, this man is the guy. He, like, he is my favorite actor. Like, obviously, I'm not gonna say I've seen every single thing he's done, but I've seen, like, most of the big hitters. And every time I'm just like, man, this is... This is the ideal of, like, what a black movie star is. That, like, he's got the charisma, he's got the attitude, he's got the style, and he got the poise and charisma, and just, he, God, he's just so good. There's so many things I can just say about how good Denzel is and how much I love him. Yeah, I think for me, I remember, and I think this was the case for a lot of people around my age as well, was probably Remember the Titans. Oh, I've watched Remember the Titans at least, like, six times just from school. (laughs) That's true, yes, exactly. But I remember even seeing that in a theater and I just remember, like, seeing that great mix that Denzel usually has of, like, warmth, but also authority that makes you just want to be like, man, he's going to judge you so hard if he looks you straight in the face. But if you get his approval, it's the best feeling in the world. Like, you want that. He is, like, the ultimate black father. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> 100% the case. Um, but what about Adam? You're a bit older than us. So where, where did that really uh, sort of start for your attention to Denzel? To say the fucking least, remember the Titans of Man on Fire. I'm going back to fucking Glory and Malcolm X for the first time. <laughs> sort of like, who's this guy? Like, especially Malcolm X, because I mean, granted, I was only like nine or ten when that came out, but it was such a huge, huge movie. And I saw it when I was that young, too. Like, it definitely stuck with me. And then, you know, honestly, like, the Pelican Brief and Philadelphia were like basically back to back, and those were really good. I, I I've sort of been a fan of his forever, man. You know, he he is. I, I'll agree with Shaq. He's one of the greatest living American actors, if not of today, of all time for sure. And and I will solely base that on consistency as well. I mean, he's he's good in everything he's in. Not necessarily always different in everything he's in, but he's able to really injects sort of different nuances into every character to make it different. And, I mean, he's a master of his craft, for sure. I'm sorry. I just wanted to bring this up. But, like, I picture, like, young Adam watching Malcolm X and going, like, listen, let me join the Nation of Islam for real quick. <laughs> it's like, yo, let me let me join the Black Panthers real quick. <laughs> like, I'm like, he's dyeing his hair with potatoes? Like, is that a thing? And then... <laughs> like he sees ghosts when he's in jail this is crazy <laughs> this is true like <laughs> spike lee didn't embellish a goddamn thing not a thing <laughs> nope <laughs> never does. but still though fucking, that was such a powerful movie to see at such a young age but yeah i think denzel's one of those great guys where in terms of his acting caliber he's so good and he has worked with so many great directors like a spike lee tony scott so many others he has this great thing where like even at his most pilot mode his pilot mode is better than like most actors at their possible peak you know because it's just like yeah, for- anytime you see him even in that pilot mode he's just like nope it's totally consistent 
wonderful performer. He's got that great mix of like movie star quality, but also genuine capability as an actor. That makes me just like I'll, I'll follow you to whatever stupid direction you go, even if you end up doing more sort of old man action movies, as we'll talk about in our with our two <laughs> movies. But let's go ahead and just uh, briefly say that uh, usually on Double Edge Double Bill, the the format is at the end of an episode we pick a random double feature. We have a good feature, bad feature. We switch up on the quality, and it's very relative. But uh, we went with um, last week we picked. Um, the good pick, which was Adam's, of The Equalizer, and then the bad pick, which was mine, of Virtuosity. So those are the two main features we'll be talking about, and uh, we'll go ahead and get started then with The Equalizer. A simple life. Hey, we better know what you did before you got here for a living. I was a pip. You know, like Gladys Knight in the pips. <laughs> a secret past. Robert, you were the best. If anyone could have figured a way out, it would have been you. Promise someone that I love I would never go back to being that person. But today, I make an exception. Now, I'm offering you a chance to do the right thing. Take it. The Equalizer, rated R. So, uh, The Equalizer came out on September 26, 2014. From director Antoine Fuqua, who has worked with Denzel a lot. Obviously, this is the two of them reteaming after a long absence from uh, Training Day. And they've done a lot more collaborations in the last several years since this movie, including on the sequel, which we should note. Uh, the Equalizer, which is based on the TV show from the 80s, is uh, the only time Denzel's ever uh, played a character more than once. Which is so weird that it took that long. And it's up for the sequel to The Equalizer, of all things. It really is. Like, out of all the things that you've done, that like, this is the one? <laughs> like, I understand some, considering, like, Training Day, for obvious reasons, Man on Fire, for obvious reasons, American Gangster, for obvious reasons, but, like, even, like, The Book of Eli, or Safe House, or something like that, like, I would figure that they would have, like, enough, like, because they did well in the box office, that I would think... Oh, maybe they'd want to return to this character. Well, well Book like of that. Eli is part of, I think, for obvious reasons that you mentioned. Cause... Actually, yeah, never mind. Yeah, Book of Eli is also obvious reasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> never mind, I forgot about that. But, uh, Equalizer is one of the few he's done that left open where a sequel could be possible. I mean, right. he's not he's not going to do He Got Game 2. You know what I mean? Like, that's not gonna... <laughs> John Q2. Yeah. John Q2. Yeah. <laughs> the Hurricane 2, still storm. Like, it's not going to... <laughs> it's not gonna happen but uh back to the equalizers so um adam this was your pick for your good pick and uh yeah. why'd you decide on this as a good pick of all the various denzels we could have picked I-, I wanted to pick sort of a well a the reason you already named because it's the only one he's ever done a sequel to b i think it's kind of an underrated action movie i i don't think it's necessarily one of the greatest but i i think this is one that sort of people are like oh it's based on a fucking tv show like but I, I I think it's super fun. I love uh, sort of the camera work that, that's done in this movie. I absolutely love Martin Soskis as the villain. I think he's fantastic. Uh, I, I just think it's a really, really fun action movie. And once it starts, it doesn't let up. Yeah, I think I remember around this time, this came out at a sort of interesting period for like action movies in particular, where um, it was... One, very close to John Wick. Like, I think within a month of each other, they both came out. And I gravitated more toward a John Wick at the time. I never actually saw this. I think because of the other sort of factor, this is during peak old man action movie cinema. Particularly, this yeah. was right in the middle of, like, Liam Neeson's, like, oversaturation of that. I think he did, like, 
two or three in 2014. <laughs> like they were a yeah. lot. <laughs> Just that year. Look, even I, I don't think I saw this in theaters. I think I saw it maybe right when it came to like home video. And I just like kind of cut it on because out of just like curiosity. And it was fun. Like, I, I don't say it's not one of my favorites, obviously. But like Adam said, like, it is very fun. Uh, the action is surprisingly way more violent than I expected when I saw it the first time. Like, this shit is a hard R in terms of violence. <laughs> oh, fucking A, right, dude. It's <laughs> super graphic. <laughs> For sure, for sure. I mean, the scene in the club alone, I mean, he brutally murders those guys. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's my thing with this movie is I hadn't seen it before until Adam picked it for the show. So I was curious. And I will say, I think the first 20 to 30 minutes of this movie is kind of where it peaks, which is sort of a problem. Which is to say, I think the first 20 to 30 minutes or so is kind of like perfect for what this movie's trying to be in terms of like that you established Denzel really well with his job at the home Mart department store and his sort of weird friendship with Chloe Grace Moretz, who plays this uh, teenage prostitute. Um, and then going into eventually him running into the Russians that are pimping her out. And that whole fight scene that happens inside of their sort of like parlor office area. I'm like, Oh my God, this movie's great. I can't wait to see where it goes from here. And then from there, it's still good. But um, I think it just is, like, at its peak, especially during that fight scene with the, the fucking corkscrews and shit like that. It's oh, my God. <laughs> I, I think the thing is, it feels weirdly episodic within a movie. Because, right. like, the, the whole sequence we had with him, like, saving Chloe Grace Moretz, and then there's a whole other sequence of, like, the, the whole thing with the restaurant. Like, it feels like the epilogue of, like, other superhero movies where it's, like, the crime fighter does what he does best in his element and then it just kind of like neatly wraps up, but it happens like multiple times within a movie. I'm like, this feels like an episode, right? Within a movie, it's a weird format, at least to me. Well, yeah, which I guess makes sense given the show it's based on was very much that exact show. Yeah, was very much like this guy would end up taking up jobs specifically for people who were downtrodden, didn't have much of so anywhere to go, so he sort of defended them basically. And mainly, I was not around for that show. Most of what I know about the show is the really dope ass theme song. Which is pretty great. But uh, were you aware of the show that much, Adam? I mean, maybe I heard of it, but I I never saw it or anything like that. It wasn't something like my dad watched or something like that. So yeah, no, I don't remember it at all. But there's a new one with Queen Latifah coming out. Yo, <laughs> the day, because it was, yeah, the day of the Super Bowl that it aired, at least the first episode. And I found out that day <laughs> that an Equalizer show was even being made and that she was even involved in it. But that was, that was wild to see. <laughs> Just like the discovery of that for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I had no idea either. And I watched the pilot, just sort of like, oh, we're doing this for the show anyway. Is it good? Um, it's a very much a CBS procedural show. That's, that's oh no uh, also they really <laughs> like to cut around the fact that you know i love queen latifah i'll respect the queen latifah but it's very clear they cut around the fact that she can't do big action sequences <laughs> very choppy yeah i mean obviously and it's like well that's kind of the point of the show so uh-oh right <laughs> <You> <laughs> know. but what i do like about denzel at least in this movie is that you can tell he clearly trained like there's he actually did a lot of like fight choreography stuff and it really shows here to the point where like He's kind of, like, despite being, like, a very mild-mannered, kind of, like, relatable dude, he's kind of like Jason Voorhees. Like, dude, fucking slices and dices pretty hardcore in this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
the whole third act when it becomes hyper violent home alone when he's just like he made a trap a barbed wire like noose out of nowhere well and also just the fact that he also likes to stare in the victim's eyes is very jason Voorhees. oh dude, yeah oh, he does that so much yeah, he's a sociopath there's yes. no question he's right. a psychopath yes um, but he's defending the defenseless Adam, so he's off wind. Yeah, he's he's everybody's flared. The Dowtwad's flared. No, I definitely agree. I think the action choreography in this is absolutely phenomenal. He does not give a fuck what he does to anybody that he comes across. He beats and kills and slices and shoots in the most heinous, just terrifyingly despicable and painful looking ways. And yet, I was totally on board. I'm like, yeah kill that fucking guy with his when did he have time to grease his mustache what is this guy (laughs) (laughs) kill him but yeah no i i really really dug the action this and like i said before i I think martin soskis is a really sort of good foil to his character where they're both basically the same they don't really have a lot of emotion and uh just martin soskis wears it on his sleeve they're both psychopaths and it's just I don't know. I really love their sort of dynamic against each other, especially in the restaurant. Yes. When Denzel apparently beats the death out of one of his bodyguards in the bathroom and comes back with his bloody sunglasses. <laughs> Very quickly, too, because the guy was only gone for like 20 seconds. But I, I think... That, <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's a really, really sort of good scene. Um, but, you know, I never looked at it like being episodic, but now you said that, I, I think that's very accurate. And I think that might be one of the reasons this isn't higher for me as far as a, like even a score in the pantheon of Denzel's. That that makes a lot of sense. It's very sort of um, disjointed in ways. Like even when he goes to see his former boss or whatever she was at the CIA and Bill Pullman and everything, that alone feels like a, just a, an episode. Yeah. And then it goes right to him with um, – David Harbour and all that, which I love. David Harbour is such a scumbag in this movie, too. He's really oh, he's good. great. Ex- excuse me, Adam. He's a good cop. He's a good yeah, cop. He's a <laughs> <laughs> cop, though. He's really, really good. But yeah, that that's very true. And, and then the whole Hallmark sort of scene feels like the end of a season. So yeah, that, I never thought of it like that, but that's, that's a really good way to sort of uh, clarify it. That's, you know, Shaq, that's why I like having you on the show, man. Yay, I appreciate that. Thank you. I was kidding. I'm in misery right now. (laughs) But but also what I really dig about, like, with at least, like, as much as it can get episodic and can be kind of tied up in, like, oh, hey, here, Denzel's friends with these fellow employees at Home Mart or with Chloe Moretz as the prostitute, all this other different stuff. There's a real consistency to Denzel's character, and a lot of it, I think, is because you establish so much during that 30 minutes I'm talking about, the opening stuff, where you see him as very OCD. And very clearly, like, which was a Denzel choice, apparently, that he was just like, I want to make sure this character kind of has these weird OCD tendencies. So as to, like, really engage you with the idea that, like, okay, he would be proficient enough to, like, be meticulous about these kills and also making sure everything's cleaned up. Like, particularly, we get to a point where we're so aware of how clean and perfect all of his kills are that, like, he ends up with that whole sequence with, like, the robber guy, where it's just the guy robs the store and ends up taking the ring away from the one lady who's the cashier, and then he takes the hammer, and then you see that guy's license plate, and then it comes back, like, oh, my ring's back, and then wipes off the hammer, puts it back, like, oh, we know exactly what happened. (laughs) Yeah, beat that man to death with a sledgehammer. Like, like, there's no question. If not beat him to death, he made him unwalkable. 
at least. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. But that's that's one thing about it too that I really liked. He, he they definitely keep that throw line throughout the whole movie. Not not once does he really lose his cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he's pretty methodical the whole time. And plus, I just gotta say, Denzel Washington fucking looks great bald. Yes, he looks phenomenal. He bald. Does. It takes years off him. Like he looks ten years younger bald. Uh, especially because then you see the sequel and you're like, oh. Yeah, he looked uh, <laughs> like when he has the old hair. The thing is, in his like in his younger years, he hit that hairline perfectly. But yeah, now he's getting old, and yeah, no, he's got to keep the baldness works for him. Honestly, yes, I agree. He's wearing like cabbie hat in the second one. You're like, oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's that's the thing. Also, I do want to say is just, I agree with a lot of the issues about the Episactus and all and other stuff. Um, watching the sequel at least made me appreciate this movie a lot more just because all these problems we have is like amplified to 10 in the sequel. Oh, it's like, so you saw the sequel, right? Yes, I did. Yes. Yeah. Okay. One thing I won't say for spoilers, but like when a certain actor showed up, did you immediately go, he did it? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> the, literally, the literal second he popped up on screen, I'm like, he, I know he did it. I don't even know what he did, but I know he did it. Yeah, but it has all these much more episodic things. So like, especially like the whole thing with Ashton Sanders, as yeah, like, um, his, the app. It's weird where it's like this TV show movie's adapting partially like an after school special, like the very special episode. We're just like, now you gotta stop getting on gang violence and start doing your drawing again. <laughs> start being yeah. contributing to society. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, and even like the action sequences aren't nearly as good, except there is one really good bit where he's a Lyft driver at one point and a guy tries to stab him inside the car. That sequence oh, is that genuinely was, yeah, really that, good. That one was good. That um, was but good. none of them really equal nearly as much as like the action beats in this movie, which are really consistently good, as we mentioned. Obviously he's, they're portraying him like a good guy and he cares about the downtrodden in this movie and everything, but it, it never felt like too overboard. Like even the stuff with Ralphie, like the guy's helping lose weight to be a security guard. I, I really felt that it was like sort of a genuine thing. It didn't feel too silly and forced for me. Like it, it was really good. And you actually felt bad for that guy. But then at the end you're like, yeah, kick some ass, Ralphie. Well, especially with those shitty corrupt cops that he had to deal with. Yeah. With his mom's yep. restaurant, all that, which another great scene when Denzel beats the shit out of those cops who are harassing him. Like, fucking piss out of those cops. <laughs> Isn't one of them like a Wahlberg brother? If not, he should be. In case you couldn't tell by our brilliant David Harbour impressions earlier, this is a Boston movie. Which you love, it's mostly just like Boston white trash surrounded around either Martin Soskis or Denzel. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much this whole movie. Um, but but yeah, I, I think all that word uh, works. And I think it's also because, like, with the Ralphie character or the Clomorettes character, any of the other, like, sort of people who look up to Denzel, it's what we talked about with, like, that sort of father figure thing with him. Where it's just like, you you are like those characters which is like, man, I just want Denzel to think I'm great. <laughs> Please love me, Denzel. <laughs> and, like, you, you have that sort of, like, osmosis with those characters. And especially with this movie. You hope he likes you, for God's sake. True, we've drawn his bad side. It's not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that's not something you don't want him to be like. You know, fuck you. You know, oh God damn it, I'm gonna lose my jaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, but yeah, like I said, you know, I, I don't think this is a perfect movie uh, by any means. I don't even think it's one of his necessarily best. But I do think in the pantheon of, as you guys called it, old man action movies that were coming out this time, this is one of easily one of the better ones. 
as far as an example of those go, like all the Liam Neeson's ones and the Nick Cage's and Travolta's and all that shit, this one's definitely one of the better ones, uh, just as far as co- being competently made, even. Yeah. And uh, again, you know, no, you guys haven't talked about him. What about Martin Selskis? Did you guys like him in this movie? Like, honestly. Oh, no, I thought he was great. He's very smarmy. <laughs> like, as soon as he came in, they're just like, uh, I just, even if he wasn't a villain, be like, I don't like you. <laughs> he's got that smarminess down. Right. He, that, that, I think that's why I like him so much. He's got, he's very, like, methodical, but he also is, like, very metrosexual uh, in the way that he <laughs> super clean all the time, everything. Like, he's just such a badass, but still, like, he's super clean cut and doesn't want to get necessarily dirty. But then when he, like, explodes, especially on that Irish guy, when they go to see him, and, I mean, he beats the fuck out of that guy, and he's growling and yelling, and then as soon as he's done, he just stands up, tightens his tie back up and everything. He's back to just business. And, uh, yeah, I found him absolutely kind of terrifying in this. Yeah, I thought it worked, especially because, like, you have all these, like, lower-rung people, like especially, like, David Harbour, who is, like, embodying, like, schlubby piece of shit cop. And you've got Martin Soskis just perfectly put together on the side. And I like the fact that also whenever he sort of vexes after Denzel, he has almost like that kind of like a con from Star Trek kind of like fascination, which is like, I must destroy him. He's the only thing in my path. I must destroy him. But at the same time, like he works so well off Denzel because Denzel's just like, uh-huh. Sure, buddy. I don't, I don't give a fuck. I'll destroy you. I'll destroy all of you. Brick by brick. All that shit. Like, you believe so much in, like, Denzel's determination down to, like, the most extravagant thing about this movie, which the sequel would, like, really double down on. The bit where, like, he destroys that boat. He destroys, like, the, the whole cruise ship and makes it explode. And Denzel isn't even, like, walking away from the explosion. He's, like, strolling away from it. And there's no yep. discernible, like, he's not falling over. There's no kind of debris br- brushing beside him. He's just like, da 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 that's <laughs> like a wave of flames behind him. He just he doesn't give a single shit. But at the same time, like totally believed that he would be able to do that. I thought like maybe this is a bit extravagant for the movie, but not for Denzel as a character. I a hundred percent believe he would casually walk away from that massive explosion. Absolutely, absolutely. It, because the thing is, the entire movie, all he does is walk away from this horrible carnage he's committed, and he just strolls away. The only time he ever runs away is when he's in the um, diner and Johnny Mesner comes in. He's like, so only one? And then he Yo, kills that him. was Johnny Mesner. I knew he looked familiar. Yeah, Johnny <laughs> Mesner, man. And he fucking smokes his ass and then cuts the power and then just walks out, snaps pictures. And then he sort of runs down an alley just to get in that fucking weird abandoned train yard. Like, I don't know where that exists. But then he just pops out and kills all those guys. I mean, it, dude, he's so smooth and methodical as Denzel can only be but bringing that sort of Denzel sort of gravitas to a role like this just makes it that much cooler and more believable I will say also that he killed the book way before John Wick did it hey Matt Damon did that shit in the Bourne movies before they did oh right you know what never mind I take that back (laughs) look there's a long history of action heroes killing people with books centuries ago Beowulf did I believe originally um but um, I also just like the fact that in that bit where, like, he just walks away while shooting, like, the, the photos, I love also that he's looking straight into their eyes, just like, yep, I'm doing this, 
I'm taking pictures directly of you, motherfuckers. Well, not, not even attempting to be discreet. Nope, not at all. <laughs> not at all, dude. He's looking directly into Martin Soska's eyes like, got you, got you, got you, got you, got you. Yeah, I got <laughs> you. Right, exactly. Got your ass now. <laughs> if, 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 I, I honestly think if this movie was played by anybody else, it wouldn't have like been as successful. Like At least as far as its execution. Like, Don't get me wrong. Statham doing this? All right, because I heard he might have been rumored at one point. But Statham is just too Jason Statham. Plus, I'm never going to believe Jason Statham lives somewhere in Boston. I mean, that's just not Or working happen. at Home Depot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Oi, I'm a pip. I was a pip with the pips. Right, right. Oi, this John Deere tractor, it'll cut your grass super fast. <laughs> Get the Get the fuck out of my stall. <laughs> you know, yeah. But yeah, I, I just, like I said, I, I think that's why I'm such a big fan of Dell. anyways, for him to be able to just sort of play the everyman in movies like, you know, Remember the Titans or He Got Game and stuff like that. Just play these really down-to-earth characters and then use that ability to, to just do something like this. And it's so believable. Like, I'm not saying this is Roman J, whatever the fuck. Killing people with books. Not that far off. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, now that you think about it, it is not too far off from the character, especially what Thomas said the thing about like the, the OCD aspects of it, of him oh. like taking these sort of like small like mental illnesses and trying to tap into it. At least, he's done that a lot recently that mm-hmm. I've noticed. Right, yeah, because Roman J. Israel it's like what autism, right? Yeah, it's pretty yeah, he's probably. basically autistic. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess it's it's why I kind of love Denzel because like he manages to take this movie that anyone else would like a Jason Statham would just take as like a normal action hero piece and he kind of tries to add a bit more of a, like acting flair to it that makes it just a bit more believable. I think that's what makes it work better than a lot of other ones. And honestly, what I think makes it, it work better than most, quite frankly, Antoine Fuqua movies, we haven't really mentioned that much, because I think Fuqua gets too much more like sort of flashy style over substance stuff, even with Denzel, like Magnificent Seven. Or even equalize yeah. too. Like it just—it's so much more flash and not much more substance as opposed to like this or like a Training Day. There's a lot more of like authentic reality that kind of grounds even the silliness that happens here to the point where it's like, yeah, I believe Denzel could like make a you know giant Home Alone trap <laughs> the Home Mart shirt. I believe that. Fuqua's <laughs> very like Fuqua in general is just like a very hit or miss guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I, I err more on the side of miss than hit to be honest with him, but. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, Thomas. I, I definitely agree. God, you're so smart, man. I swear to God. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, it's because I read all those books on the 100 list. You know, the old man in the yeah. sea, you got the fish got to be the fish, man. got to be the man. That's, that's how it works. <laughs> and that's my book report. Um, but let's uh, go ahead and get into final thoughts. Then, Adam, as the person who chooses your final thoughts on The Equalizer. Uh, like I said, man, I think it's been stated several times. I think it's just a really fun sort of action movie. There's a lot of good sort of character actors in it really good performance from denzel it's a little disjointed in times the pacing can can sort of make the movie feel a little bit longer in parts than it needs to be but uh arnett i i think it's a really really fun movie it, it and especially in comparison to sort of you know a movie that has a sequel made by the same people that pales in comparison uh, I, I just think this is definitely worth a watch. I think it's super fun. It's it's a good sort of later action sort of role for Denzel that, you know, he, he fits right in this sort of wheelhouse. 
because like you said, like Magnificent Seven is like good fucking God. But this is super, super fun. It's just a really, really cool movie. And Jaquiel, your final thoughts on The Equalizer? Um, This is like a perfect example of Denzel elevating, yeah, sort of mimicking what Adam said, but like this is Denzel essentially elevating what would normally be just really mediocre material and just just by the basis of his star power and how good he is as an actor um, and just conveying all these different things and nuances that any other actor would have been just like, okay, this is just like a generic action flick. Um, and it's still like, it still is a little bit of a generic action flick. It's just Denzel brings so much to the role that it, it, it does bring it up to like, okay, this is, it's still worth watching. Even if you're not like super, super into action movies, I think this is like a good one to bring just because of Denzel and like his, what he brings as an actor and what he brings to this role, I think is very entertaining, entertaining enough for even just like people who aren't into action flicks. If that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I think it kind of reminds me a lot of like when he would collaborate with his uh, late director collaborator, who he did the most movies with Tony Scott. Like this feels oh. more in line with like a Tony Scott movie. In terms Dude, of his Tony Scott flicks oh, are fucking so, ace. So I great. love all of them. So great, but I think a lot of that is because Tony Scott has a lot of great flash, but Denzel brings the gravitas that like really makes it the best of both worlds. And I think that's what the Equalizer gets at least very close to doing. I think, like I said, I think it hits that perfectly in the first thirty minutes or so, and then after that, it's still very fun, but feels a bit lesser of a movie. But with all that being said, it still is like a really great showcase for Denzel doing one of the better examples of like these mid twenty tens old man action movies. Um, it's definitely like, you know, it's, it's more entertaining than seeing like Liam Neeson do it the 15th time. Before we go, the one thing I will say, another great, uh, line in this movie that is totally from a Tony Scott movie, especially like man on fire, Christopher Walken sort of deal when his boss is like, he didn't come here to whatever to get, he came to ask for permission. <laughs> like yeah, he's asking for permission to kill everybody. Like It's so fucking cool. Yes. And it just reminds me of Christopher Walken. Chris, he's about to paint his masterpiece. Yep. <laughs> his aunt is dead. Like, yes. <laughs> so. um, Shams, by the way, it's uh, Melissa Leo. We didn't mention who's his boss. Yeah. That's yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very good, yes. But, um, you know, someone who was going to be the equalizer uh, in a movie adaptation was going to be Russell Crowe, who was, um, like, picked to do it at a certain point, which will be very important to our next feature. Though, first, here is a promo for an ESO show you can queue up right after ours. DragonCon 2021 is scheduled for Labor Day weekend, and whether it's an in-person event or once again goes virtual, the DragonCon Report podcast crew will cover the con right up to the big event. So sit back with your bucket of brown, dragon's mead, apple pie, or whatever your beverage of choice, and tune in to the latest news, notes, interviews, discussions, and even a dragon tale or two on the Dragon Con Report, a proud member of the ESO Network. Check us out at dragonconreport.com. All right, and now we're getting to our bad feature, Virtuosity. A computer composite of 183 serial killers. But now... He's leaving the virtual world. I think I'm gonna like it here. Where's my gun? Hey, Parker! This one's for you! Here we go. Sid's a cop again. This is not a game, but Sid is still from the game. He only enjoys playing against his favorite opponent, and that's me. Game over. That's reality for you. So, Virtuosity came out um, on August 4th, 1995, so we're going back 
for Denzel back during his younger days. This is post his win for glory, but pre his win for training day. And um, this is a wacky one, to say the least, <laughs> which is um, not something you can say about a lot of Denzel movies. Rarely are they wacky movies. Like even the Equalizer, as silly as that got, never goes to quite the wacky heights of this one, which if you're unfamiliar with this movie, basically it takes place in the far distant future of 1999, as we love. 90s movies that take place in the distant future of when five I years saw that, ago. I laughed so hard. <laughs> yes, where um, Denzel plays a former cop who has been in prison for a little bit uh, for the last couple of years because he ended up killing a bunch of people after his family was murdered by the serial killer who died in that attack. But um, now he is basically being used as a guinea pig for this wacky new virtual reality simulator for uh, trying to attack the ultimate serial killer VR program played by Russell Crowe, who literally has 200 different serial killers programmed into him, amongst which is people like um, Jeffrey Dahmer, um, and I believe Hitler's also in there. It's like, it's a huge list of all the famous serial killers who are programmed into this one VR. But after, um, while Denzel was training with his former partner, who ends up dying in this VR, like, out of shock, um, the program's gonna get shut down, but the VR program manages to convince the programmer to get him out using nanobot technology that is able to replicate flesh with, like, glass that it can harness and create more nanobots um, so he can become real, go out into the real world. And it, Denzel is tasked by William Forsythe, his former chief, who's like, you gotta go out and find him. <laughs> um, and... I picked this movie. I hadn't seen it before, honestly. We decided to do it for the show because I just heard it was wacky. And I'll honestly say, I think Russell Crowe was perfectly wacky in this movie. But my biggest problem with it is that everything else around him isn't quite as wacky. <laughs> which makes it kind of drag, unfortunately, in place. Which is a bummer. Because Crowe is going so full-on crazy. Oh, dude, he's at 11 <laughs> the whole time. The way he's giggling... His line delivery, the scene with the fucking music in the club, like it's a symphony. Oh, and then oh, you, <laughs> it's a symphony, a, a symphony of collision. And you're like, what? Like, what the fuck is happening? Here? Which is followed right afterward by him trying to like drive away with a boasted windshield, and he's eating the glass so he can heal himself. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. It's so dumb. But <laughs> you know, and, stupid. By the way. <laughs> We, we gotta mention a uh, homeboy who dies of like cardiac arrest or whatever. Yeah. That's fucking Detective Hoffman, Costas Mandalore. Yes, it is. Remember how we talk about my Denzel's my favorite actor? My least favorite actor is Costas Mandalore. So when I realized oh, he was in this and he dies in the first 10 minutes, I said, fuck yes. <laughs> well, it was the perfect team up for you with the perfect buddy cop team that you would have loved to have seen Costas Mandalore and Denzel. I'm sad. <laughs> This guy, this guy who plays the programmer, dude, how much monologuing is that guy going to do? I mean, when he's in the hotel room, you have no idea what you've brought upon yourself. <laughs> You're not even prepared. You're like, okay, <laughs> fucking hell, who is this sniveling prick? But, dude, there's a hell of a cast in this movie. It's you know? so stupidly stacked for no reason. Like, <laughs> so William Fitchner? Yep. <laughs> so we mentioned William Sorthai, fucking Louise a... Fletcher, Academy Award yeah. the one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I know. Why? Fucking why? 
But, you know, the thing is, I saw this movie at the theater when it came out, dude, and I thought it was the coolest fucking movie ever made. I was like, oh, my God, what is this? I had no idea who Russell Crowe was at the time, but I'm like, this guy is awesome, because obviously I hadn't seen Romper Stomper before this. Um, but, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Oh, he's so badass. Oh, the special effects at the time were great. Denzel's so cool. And I just, I loved it, loved it, loved it. Rewatching it for this, I'm like, man, if I could invent a time machine, I'd go back in time and slap myself as a child. Like, there's so much better stuff out there than this. This, it, it's so stupid. In every fucking way. I mean, to the point where, uh, what's his name from fucking Lord of Illusions and everything? The one who's the, uh, designs the nanobots. Okay, Kevin J. O'Connor, also from many Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Yes. (laughs) Yep, yep. And you get fucking, the the guy's like, oh, perhaps we could make one. He's like, no, the technology's not there. It can't be done. It could be Sheila. All right, grab her module, bring it, we'll do it. Like, wait a minute. So this guy's just a horn dog who just doesn't give a shit if it's going to work or not. He just, he's hoping that it does. And the fact of the matter is he's in there watching this screen and he asks the guy, hey man, let me borrow your gear for a couple minutes. D- ew. <laughs> like, like, ew. <laughs> by, by the way, that actor you keep mentioning, I believe it's uh, Steven Spinella, who basically feels like they kind of had, hey, we had the serial killer guy but he doesn't do Hannibal Lecter-style monologues, so let's put them all on the VR guy, who feels like he's just trying so hard, just like, oh, Clarice, you have no idea what you're up against. Hey, hey, William Fickner, call your third cousin. Get him in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, uh, you know, I'm not a proponent of all people look alike, but, yo, know, white people they in this look movie... Old, fucking... They look identical. <laughs> <laughs> well, this movie all look the same. <laughs> like, they're all part of some crazy inbred family. It's literally The Hills Have Eyes with Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington in it. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Russell Crowe sticks out only because, like, especially when he's in the purple suit and he's all big and muscular as he is, I'm just like, is this just like the Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns Joker just brought to life? That's what he looks like. <laughs> he's literally wearing zoot suits in this movie. <laughs> Like, he looks like, he's dressed like the fucking main weasel from Roger Rabbit. He's a, he's a big fan of squirrel nut zippers. He was really big on that, like. <laughs> <laughs> Cherry Papa Daddy's is his favorite group. Um, it's just. <laughs> well, we know he loves music because he describes every murder like a symphony, a massive composition. <laughs> oh, I know. And the thing is, so. I get he's an android and he can take these shots and stuff and all, but also he has amazing jumping capabilities. Bro, he's soaring in these in this yeah, movie. all the time, dude. He jumps through a drop ceiling like it's nothing and just escapes. You're like, wait, where is why? Why does it? Why can he do this? Like it's just, and I love I love the explanation. Like, well, how did you figure out where he was? Semicolon. In a parenthesis, was a smiley face. That's how people used to sign off their emails. Oh, this is 1995 in a nutshell. <laughs> and I just love also, it's just like, this is the extent of which emojis will ever go to. <laughs> I know, and I love that it blows her mind too. She's like, whoa. <laughs> what the fuck? I want to go back in time and just show somebody from 1995. An eggplant emoji and tell them, yeah, this means a dick now. (laughs) 
What witchcraft are you talking about, sir? What is this <laughs> demon device you have in your hand? <laughs> yeah, if you like go back to the 50s with a Texas Instruments cal- calculator. <laughs> 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 but you know i want to speak to, i want to get shaquille because we you comment on things but i want to especially get from you because we haven't talked about our subject that much for this movie how do you feel yeah. in particular about denzel in virtuosity how do you think he especially amongst sort of like the lesser denzel fair i'll say this he has the single worst fake dreads i've ever seen in my 100 percent <laughs> <laughs> Yo, when he put, when he got out of that machine and I saw the hair, I said, "Oh no!" Because <laughs> the thing is, I've seen part of this movie before. I think I've seen like the last like forty five minutes when I was like fifteen or sixteen because it was on TV. But I was like, "Oh, hey, Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington, and it's not American Gangster. This is weird." Um, <laughs> but uh, seeing this in full, and I saw that hair, I was just like, "Oh, what am I in for?" And he's. Not great. I'll say that. Uh, he's a bit too stoic in in contrast to like how wacky uh, Russell Crowe is. And I kind of wish that they were both on like a similar level. But no, it, he's fine. But it's the movie just sucks. <laughs> I mean, there's a case to be made that the movie couldn't handle the both of them at that particular level. I think the movie would fall apart. Like, any print that went to a theater would just, like, flame up instantly. I don't know if Denzel's even capable of super wacky. Like, no. he could do comedic, but he can't do wacky. Well, I think there's a bit of at least, like, that raw intensity, like, early on, particularly when he's led back to the prison, and he fights that random white supremacist guy in the middle of, like, the music video-looking prison. <laughs> <laughs> like, you would think that would be, like, where Rhythm Nation starts. Yes, or, like, the cars with Janet Jackson. <laughs> It's exactly what it looks like. But, like, he, he comes in and he's just going, like, really wild. And I would figure, especially given the fact that Denzel is a cyborg in this movie, he has, like, a robotic arm. And, like, it's just mentioned at the beginning. And then later on, he uses it to, like, defuse the bomb or whatever. But I'm like, why not use that? Have Denzel have, like, a robotic arm and take advantage of that. Why not play into it more? Yes! <laughs> that robotic arm apparently has useless glow tubes in it that he could just rip out and stop bombs with. I usually use these that for raves, robot- but I gotta use it for this particular occasion. That robotic arm is bullshit. <laughs> it's for nothing. Just in case you gotta rip a fucking glow stick out of it. Like, come on. Even that, like, the flashback of what he loses his arm or whatever, and he's still, like, shooting the fuck out of people during, like, the scene where he, like, loses his family. I was like, there's no way in shit. <laughs> like, he'd be gone. Yeah, I think this is an example where, like, we to, to, to contrast with what we were talking about with the Equalizer, like, this has so many more silly, unbelievable things. And you don't believe it nearly as much because Denzel's kind of barely a character. I think it's Denzel kind of doing the best he can with a very flat sort of, like, I'm the cop who's gonna get my man. Like, that's it. Yeah, pretty much, dude. I mean, this is basically a Russell Crowe show. Everybody else is, like, has no real character. And it's like, yo, you let William Forsyth live till the end and then that weasel beats him to death with a pipe? (laughs) 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 It's so stupid. I mean, at least he gets the weird bit where he destroys the crime lab. Everyone's like, what are you doing? He, like, throws the fucking chair through and shit. He at least gets that. Yeah, you using this chair? <laughs> like, I didn't realize you throw a chair into a computer, it stops everything. 
<laughs> he likes to <laughs> detonate the poison now. He threw a chair into one of our computers. I mean, have you ever thrown a chair at your actual computer? That shit will probably shut down. Yeah, but you gotta figure they had multiple computers. (laughs) (laughs) They had so many servers. It was 1995, they needed like 15 of those to power one, like, MacBook. (laughs) They all have blinking red lights and random yellow flashes on them, too, because that's what computers look like. Oh, yeah, but but to get back to Crow, like, I think particularly this weird thing where, like, he's so obsessed with getting into the real world, but yet the moment he gets into the real world, his only obsession is, I want to be in front of screens and have people watch me. It's like, that's what you were doing before. That's all your existence was. Those people were watching you on a giant fucking screen, but now you're just like, (laughs) I'll smile for the camera. Look at me. You know, age-old things that happen in a lot of these movies where computer programs want to get to the real world and everything. You're basically a god in the computer world. Why do you want to get to the real world? To do what? Like, what are you going to do? Nothing. You get dropped through shards of glass that supposedly heal you and yet... (laughs) 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 Like, I I just don't understand the logic. Well, obviously, this movie is not really built on uh, logic per se. And can we also comment on how stupid those police uniforms looked in the beginning of the movie? Oh, they're so trash. They're so dumb. So I dumb. made that Rhythm Nation joke, but like, he literally looks like a Rhythm Nation dancer. That's <laughs> <laughs> literally what the outfit is. I almost wish he was more of just Denzel in the virtual reality, because that's where I was having honestly the most fun. It's like, oh, I got hit, and look at my totally realistic CG bone, and all the viscera. Because <laughs> like, when this movie goes especially very silly virtual reality, like at the ending, when he finds out he's actually been in the virtual reality for like the last climax of this movie, Russell Crowe, and he starts bending the world around him. And my favorite shot where Denzel like is standing there just like, oh, I'm watching Russell Crowe. Oh no, reality's warping around and he like does the weird backward fall, like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and then starts falling through like the tunnel of virtual reality and he starts like skipping and shit. Some lawnmower man ass shit from Brett Leonard, director of Lawnmower Man. Wait, hold on. Did he make Lawnmower Man? That was his movie prior to this was Lawnmower Man. Oh, hold on. you know what? Everything makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really does. As far as the man of the hour, Denzel, I agree with you, Thomas. He's just sort of like there in this movie. Like, as we talked about with our previous movie, he doesn't really elevate anything. He just kind of doesn't bring anything to it. It's just, that could have been anybody. It just happened to be Denzel. And those fucking dreadlocks. Good God. They're so, they're so bad. They're so, they're so bad. bad. Like Legendarily said, bad. <laughs> like, we need more people to talk about this. But at the same time, I wish it was in more of the movie because he cuts it right before he goes out in the streets because after that he has regular Denzel here, basically. Yeah. The whole movie. And I'm like... I don't know, man. If he had dreads, some of the stuff would be a lot more funny. <laughs> and, and his perfect black t-shirt tucked into his khakis. Like, why are we doing this? <laughs> you look so stupid. But I'm sorry. Like, he was looking like a half-ass Booker T. I, but I love that they release him. And the first thing is, where's my gun? And then he has unprecedented fucking sort of access to everything in the police system. All these crime scenes and everything. Come on. There's no way. But also, on the flip side, he wouldn't have gone to jail in the first place. Yeah, that was also a weird reason for him to go to jail. Yeah. He wouldn't go to jail for that. 
Also, he makes sure not to shoot the interviewers that are there, like the innocents. So he's very clearly like still in his own right mind, even after losing an arm. Right. Exactly. (laughs) This huge terrorist bomber, but he shot some reporter and a cameraman who popped out behind him. Like, oh, prison. Like, no, no, no. It's so stupid. Yeah. I think this would have worked a lot better if the original choice was going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. And this makes 100% sense as an Arnold movie. <laughs> this oh, is... that makes triple the amount of sense. <laughs> as opposed to, like, Denzel just doesn't have quite... Because, like, it's it's him trying to put sort of, like, his kind of, like, I'm a serious actor energy into an Arnold Schwarzenegger character who is so thin inherently. Yeah, I mean, Arnold. Arnold in this? Ugh, Jesus. It, I'll tell you what, though. Would be awesome. I will agree. It'd be awesome. And unfortunately, though, it'd probably become, like, the sixth of the day. Like this is stupid and worthless, it, it, but now I'm just picturing Arnold in that blue cop suit in the beginning. I tried. I tried. <laughs> it would, honestly, it would fit so much more. It would be like everything about that character, about Denzel's character, would fit more with Arnold. So it makes Arnold, that much more sense. Arnold trying to explain anything technology-wise, even down to an emoji, is just laughable to me. <laughs> like Look at the smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> people used to use parentheses and in, in, in semicolons in smiley face you sign off and they, do you think my mom's pretty I think your mom's very pretty yes tell her I said hello get her down here which we should by the way <laughs> mention that young girl is the film debut of Kaylee Cuoco later of the Big Bang yep. Theory and other things oh no shit yeah yep yep and then uh What's her name? I, God, I can never remember her name, but Roadhouse. That's the mom. Oh, yeah, Kelly Lynch. Kelly Lynch, yeah. Yeah, from Roadhouse. <laughs> Road, but Roadhouse. Uh, <laughs> that's not all I care about when it comes to this movie. Oh, she was in Roadhouse. Oh, that's Costas Mandalore. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so, so dumb. And in the action beats, they're so over the top and like, unbelievable that it, it sort of even takes me out of it too even the action beats aren't that good like when denzel for oh god when when they're speeding towards russell crowe staying on top of a cop car he's like hammer that crowd pleaser and then he pulls the fucking e-brake and does this amazing tokyo drift style thing where he's perfectly in line he's just popping off that fucking suv would have rolled so fast they'd have both been so dead like it's just, you know, meanwhile, I, Russell Crowe is like jumping around like a fucking Looney Tune off the bridge. I, and then like the Bee Gees cue, which apparently was like that was Russell Crowe's insistence, and they paid a lot of money for the fucking staying alive for that fucking. Oh, <laughs> oh, for sure, that was Russell Crowe's insistence. Uh, Taga fighting around the world. Um, anyway, well, but... even down to I believe his, the band, his band is on the soundtrack. The, what, what's his band's name yes. again? The fucking... Oh, God. At this time, who knows? He's been in like nine bands and they're all shit. <laughs> but yeah, it was playing when uh, they were outside her house. So Denzel was rocking fucking Russell Crowe's band in his car. <laughs> it's that hot crow track. That hot crow beat. 
I'm so, I got nothing else to say, but just this movie fucking sucks. <laughs> well, the final thoughts then. Let's get into final thoughts. You kill just it, it fucking sucks. There's nothing right, else you cool. have to add. My, my, no, my final thoughts is this is a bad Terminator mixed with a bad episode of reboot. This shit is just <laughs> like I like I love how fucking over the top Russell Crowe is, but just the rest of it is just like. It's just a, a bad action movie. What well, would you say it's the worst Denzel movie then? Uh, I mean, it's not my least favorite because I hated Roman J. Israel. But, like, I'd say this is a worse movie than that, so probably. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, Adam, what about your final thoughts? And also, is it the worst Denzel movie? Um, You know, like I said, I, I really liked it when I first saw it. Uh, it does not hold up whatsoever it's one of those you know where they date it in this it's it's silly dated from the time it starts you know 1999 and the technology is so stupid and just makes zero sense but is it my least favorite denzel movie i i wasn't crazy on safe house flight is boring uh taking of pelham one two three is terrible uh you know the deja vu was okay but it's just, I don't know, man. This, yeah, this might be the worst, I guess. I don't know, man. Some of those other ones I named are more forgettable for me. So I guess I can't say it's the worst, but it's definitely not uh, top tier Denzel. Yeah, I mean, for me, I would say it's it's definitely is a bad one. It's disappointing, like I said, because when I heard the idea of this movie, I'm like, oh, this is going to be so consistently like, wacky fun. And it really isn't quite that. Like, Russell Crowe brings that wackiness, but everyone else is so much more straight-laced, I think, to try and balance it out. But it ends up kind of, like, having lulls where I'm just like, when's Russell Crowe going to show up? Which is a weird thing, because I love Denzel, and I love usually seeing him, especially in these kind of, like roles where he's trying to hunt down these killers or villains or whatever. I'd love to see that usually. And here he's just kind of doing the best he can with very much a character that doesn't fit him. But I would still say it's not the least favorite. I would agree like taking a Palm 1, 2, 3 remake is worse for me or the Equalizer 2 even I would say is worse for me or even, this is just a weird obscure one, um, Heart Condition which is the one where he plays the guy who ends up dying and his heart is put into Bob Hoskins and Bob Hoskins sees Denzel's ghost the whole movie. I've never even heard of this. I, I don't even know of this, yeah. This, I only know of this because it was on, like, Comedy Central at one point. I'm like, this is a real movie? The guy from Roger Rabbit and Denzel Washington? <laughs> it's a real movie. Look it up. It's pretty bad, especially because it's just like, oh, it looks like I learned to have my true heart from my black ghost friends. <laughs> That's literally what the premise of the movie is. It's really <laughs> bad. Uh, but Virtuosity is not that far off, unfortunately. Um, but let's go ahead and get into, um, some closing stuff, including we'll be doing our picking for next week. So stay tuned to the end for that. But also every Monday over at DEDB pod on Twitter and Facebook, we ask you all about like, Hey, what are the best and least, uh, for the topic that we're doing for you guys? And we asked you all about Denzel. So we had a few people comment like James Rodriguez, who says Denzel Washington has won two Oscars in his lifetime, but neither for his greatest performance as Malcolm X. Spike Lee's epic biopic chronicles the life and legacy of the real-life figure, ensuring it all comes together in Denzel's powerhouse portrayal. Um, he's not bad in films like The Equalizer 2 or Man on Fire, but I just don't care for them as much. Uh, Ryan Quarterman says, uh, Best Training Day, Flight, Man on Fire, Book of Eli, Inside Man, American Gangster. Worst Fences, The Little Things, and Magnificent Seven. 
Uh, Joel Copeland at Real Joel Copeland on Twitter says uh, his best performance is in Malcolm X, where he gradually builds a portrait of an absolute legend that is just remarkably intimate instead of simplistically broad and, icon and iconographic. Uh, meanwhile, he was sleepwalking through Equalizer 2. Uh, Matt Anderson at Matthew 0581415 says out of his best work, I'd say Malcolm X and Training Day are great. I was also surprised by his work in A Soldier Story and Much Ado About Nothing. In terms of worst, I'd say the little things. Typically, he'll find a way uh, for his charisma to work enough for the characters he plays in something like The Equalizer or even The Magnificent Seven. With the little things, he seemed to either be sleepwalking through it or miscast. And then Burial Grid at Burial underscore Grid says, I think Virtuosity ticks both of these boxes simultaneously. <laughs> <laughs> Which is certainly a take. I'll give you that. But yeah, I mean, I, I respect some of those choices, especially I like the mention of Much Ado About Nothing, which, like, Denzel doing Shakespeare works really well. Particularly, weirdly contrasted with, he's playing the brother of Keanu Reeves' character, and it's like night and day in terms of portrayals in that particular movie. Uh, but also, it's probably peak Denzel attractiveness, I would say for sure. I've never seen it. I have to watch it. Um, it's, a, it's a lot of fun, too, because it's like, it's Much Ado About Nothing, so yeah, it's one good. of the slight Shakespeare plays, but he, like, Brandon hands it, like, almost like it's a very fun romantic comedy kind of thing. And there's, I love the opening shot is, like, um, Kenneth Branagh, Denzel, and I forgot the other guys, but they're all on horseback and they all do fist bumps in the air <laughs> in this Shakespeare movie. <laughs> <laughs> it just sets the tone perfectly. Um, but what about some of these other ones? How, where do we uh, sort of stand on Denzel like best and worsts? I'll say this. Ryan is 100% full of shit. Like, I love him, but he's full of shit for putting fences in worse. Get the fuck out of here for that. He should have won the Oscar for it that year. I'm still mad about that. Uh, Flight, I never saw, but I heard was pretty solid. Um, well, I mean, Man on Fire was mentioned many times. And I think, uh, I, yes. I, I, like, even well, James was not a fan of it, but I would say that's my favorite, of particularly the Tony Scott collab. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Oh. I, I must have missed it. James Rodriguez is not a fan of Man on Fire. Yes. Yes. That fucking prick. How the <laughs> friend of the show, James Rodriguez, not a fan. Yeah. Well, you know, it's soon to be ex-friend of the show. This goes to all y'all. I don't like how y'all be disrespecting the other Tony Scott flicks. Here's the thing. I love all the Denzel Tony Scott collaborations. So I love Deja Vu. I love taking a Pelham 123. I love Unstoppable. I love all that shit. So for y'all to disparage them, I understand. But I'm going to say y'all are wrong as fuck. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hold on now. Taking a Pelham 123 is not good. I no. love taking a Pelham 123 oh. also. <laughs> this is a bias. This is a 100% bias for me. That's fair. I mean, it also might be affected by, I think the original is a phenomenal movie, and I think oh, I far prefer it to, no disrespect to Denzel and John Travolta, but yeah. like Walter Matthau and no, no. Robert Shaw, like so great. In that you can movie. disrespect uh, John Travolta, that's fine. <laughs> Don't yeah, it's totally you can fair. disrespect John Travolta all you want, that's gaudy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But to go back to Man on Fire, yeah, I rewatched it for the first time in a long time, uh, right before doing research on the show. And man, I still get so mostly swept up, especially like the Dakota Fanning and him relationship. I think it works so much better than like a lot of other movies try and do that. And it feels like it's, it's so much more earnest and honest to where when he starts doing his rampage, you're just like, yeah, fuck him. Get back to Dakota Fanning. <laughs> Come on, do it. <laughs> Destroy it. <laughs> like it works so you perfectly. Another one that's kind of forgettable, dude, is uh, the Bone Collector. You guys remember yeah, that? I remember that that's one, a, yeah. That's ultimately forgettable. It's not terrible, but it's kind of like, it's just one of those that came out around the same time. 
or at least it feels like it did, like Kiss the Girls, Along Came a Spider, where you had all these sort of thriller cop movies. And, and it's just kind of like, meh, it's okay. It exists. You know, it was a young sort of Angelina Jolie vehicle. That's more or less what it felt like, other than a Denzel movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely do, uh, Thomas, I don't know if you've seen a Shaq, but uh, Devil in a Blue Dress. Yes. I would, here's the thing. I was hoping that what that the good pick would be Devil in the Blue Dress because I've never seen it. I I hadn't seen it until like doing research for the show, and that's what makes even like the Equalizer thing slightly more upsetting to me because Devil in a Blue Dress is based on a series of novels where Denzel's character, who's like this blue collar dude, who in this movie in Devil in a Blue Dress becomes like a detective basically, um, apropos of just like being kind of thrown into the situation, and it's so great. I loved it so much, especially oh. it's Denzel in 50s era L.A. just going around yep. like racist bullshit all the time and trying to help out Jennifer Beals. It's so fucking <laughs> Dude, I gotta see it. And the, fact that it, so and the fact that it didn't do very well at the time it came out, because partially it came out right around 7, but then also even when it opened up, people were more just going to Halloween 6 instead of fucking <laughs> Devil in a Blue Dress. <laughs> <laughs> Which pisses me off because we should have gotten at least like a trilogy of movies with that character because he's so awesome. And how fucking good is Don Cheadle in that too? Oh, he's so good. This is like murderous weirdo psycho friend. So great. Such yeah, a great cast. So good. <laughs> I, I, that's that is definitely one of the ones that if if I had to pick a Denzel movie that nobody's seen that's really fucking good, it would be Devil in the Blue Dress. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, definitely. damn near a perfect movie for me. Yes. Damn near. Definitely would agree. It really rose up on my Denzel rankings, even just from seeing it this one time. But there's a few others that we haven't even mentioned that much, like Crimson Tide of the Tony Scott collaborations, I think is pretty well done. Like him and Gene Hackman going off each other. Hell yeah. I really dig that one. Or so another one that just, I think, really disappeared from the crowd uh, is Fallen, where he plays a guy trying to follow like a serial killer who's like, his body's been possessed by a demon. It's one of the few genre movies Denzel ever did. Fallen is creepy as shit. Yes. And that cast also, which is like, oh, hey, here's James Gandolfini. Here's um, Elias Coteus. Here's like a bunch of great people from like the 90s. Yeah, Fallen's really, really good. Uh, it, it, the ending's, a, I mean, you gotta admit, the ending's a little silly. But um, I, I don't disagree necessarily for this movie about a, a demon possessor. <laughs> Not necessarily. Yeah, the ending's a little, uh, but still, no, that, that's an absolutely great, great movie. Uh, you know, in Book of Eli, Book of Eli has great action beats to it, but ultimately it's kind of like, meh. I mean, it's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it as bland as like maybe two guns with him and Mark Wahlberg, which does have a lot of fun stuff in it, but I've seen that movie, and I honestly couldn't tell you anything that happened in it at this point. I, like, I've completely forgotten everything that happened. Wait, Two Guns or Book of Eli? Two Guns. Oh, yeah, Two Guns is generic, but Book of Eli, I think, even if the ending, I think, is a little bit silly, I think just the overall look and just the action yeah, I, itself is really fucking well done. Well, I rewatched it actually earlier today, and I will say with Book of Eli, I think spoilers for this over 10 year old movie the biggest problem with casting denzel who works for you as like a wanderer in the post-apocalypse is also you get him to play a guy who's blind and the problem is denzel has some of the most expressive eyes he uses all the time yes. yeah even when he's by himself and no one's around he still clearly uses his eyes at all times which that's what i love about denzel but it's just like that doesn't work for your big twist you keep building up to of like, oh my god, he was blind and he was gonna write down the whole Bible for 
the reg the regs of humanity to end up fucking getting it's it's it really the twist really makes that movie fall apart especially when you rewatch it again and, and to be honest mila kunis sort of bogs it down too uh her yeah, against i mean them. like i liked her in it but i i could see what you mean yeah it, it's her against like denzel and gary oldman it's like ooh, ooh, there's a big caliber difference here um <laughs> You know, but I think it's fun, dude. The action scenes are really fucking cool in Book of Eli. And I do like the sort of washed out look of the whole thing. But yeah, I agree with Thomas about, like, he's not blind. Jennifer Beals is weirdly way better at portraying blind than he is in that movie. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. She was really beautiful. Holy shit, was she good. Yes, um, and you know, I, I'll just also say one, the ones that kind of fit into like sort of that same book at Eli thing where I have really mixed feelings on is like Flight, I agree, because Flight opens so phenomenally with the plane crash sequence, and then the movie's another like hour and a half of Denzel doing pretty good drunk acting, but in the middle of Robert Zemeckis doing all those fucking needle drops, like the yeah. most obvious Zeme- needle Zemeckis drops. is not good. <laughs> No, I will argue real. that he's not like like his best years were way behind him at that point. Really, that's his movie uh-huh. that he followed up after the three motion capture movies failed. That was like his first big. I'm returning back to movies without zombies in them, basically. <laughs> Such a weird <laughs> yeah. choice. Um, but also, even the the Jonathan Demi remake of the Manchurian Candidate, I think, is fascinating. Yeah. It's not this. I don't think it's terrible, but it's just such a weird movie. <laughs> There's like. Great cast. Yes. Great cast. Great cast. But, I think some yeah, really engaging sequences. Just It's such a weird movie where it's just like, oh, Denzel is kind of the Manchurian candidate, but it's really Liev Schreiber as the vice president candidate, and Meryl Streep is in there. It's really weird. But even though, you know, speaking of Demi, I will say we haven't mentioned Philadelphia at all, which I think is like, that's a really great, like, counterbalance to, especially, like, Hanks at his best. To me, those two right there, uh, Hanks and Denzel, are, in my opinion, the two most consistent modern working actors say what yeah. you will some of hank's choices but he's so fucking good and those two against each other and this was hank's like when people were like holy shit this guy's actually a really good actor and he's so fucking phenomenal in it and then you know young antonio banderas and everything and that movie is such a gut punch of a movie it's phenomenal that is a phenomenal movie yeah and i mean we, we mentioned before also but we can't go too much further without like i rewatched training day for the first time in ages, right before the show as well. And it's so weird. I think on paper, it's so much of like, because it's David Ayer wrote it. And it has so much of like the David Ayer things we would grow to groan at as time has gone yeah. on. But man, <laughs> him and Hawk work so well off each other that you don't really care about some of those cliches. Like, it only really bogs down for me during the whole thing with like uh, Cliff Curtis and the other Mexican guys. Yeah. Oh, uh, I, I understand. Oh. But to me, like, to me, it's still so, per- like, even with that whole sequence, it's still, Training Day is, like, one of those movies that I'm still, like, this, to me, is a perfect movie. Everything is just top-tier, top-caliber on everyone's part that, like, I can't, I can ignore literally every other flaw that's that would, like, sink other movies. I'm like, no, this is perfect to me. I guess with Training yeah. Day, I'd argue that the cliches that are in that movie that David Ayer has sort of done since then haven't really been done yet by him. So it still feels fresh and it's the best he's done with any of that. I, I I'd argue. Right. Uh, and plus you have Fuqua, with, Antoine Fuqua directing and doing a much better job yeah. of hiding like a lot of the other bullshit. 
And I love I love that scene of Ethan Hawke playing cards with him. I think Cliff Curtis is absolutely terrifying in that scene. He's so good. And I just the, the scene where he calls his fucking niece or his cousin and the way he's acting like he's her fucking dad and the way he's talking to her, I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, this guy's terrifying. My favorite scene in that movie is not like the big like scene at the end. It's in the beginning when they go to Denzel's car and they're like, all right, we're going to drive at the division. It's like, oh, where's the office? And then Denzel's just like, you in the office and revs that car and they start playing Dr. Dre. It's the <laughs> coolest so scene cool. I have ever seen in a fucking movie. <laughs> Like, my favorite scene would probably have to be the bit after, like, where they shoot Scott Glenn. And then, like, Ethan Hawke goes back to the car. He's like, man, I don't give a fuck. I'll get a desk job. And Denzel does the perfect balance of, like, the protective father figure we're talking about, but also being a malicious, maniacal villain with what he's talking about. Just like, man, I know, like, you've been, you're, you don't know the streets. You don't know how this is going to go. You don't know. I'm, I'm sorry that you have to deal with that. It's like, oh. You motherfucker. You're so evil. But I also want you to respect me because you're Denzel dead. Uh, when Ethan Hawke confronts him at the fucking end, all right, Jake, you passed the test. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> no test. Uh, where's Alonzo? Sit down. Alonzo's taking a shit. <laughs> well, you know what? We Dude, might be we, we might be talking about Alonzo Harris on a different form oh, soon. So... so put a pin in that maybe for a future thing with Shaquille but I want to thank you all for all that feedback you submitted we also want to thank some other people like the person who contributes our music uh, which is Chris Oliver he does the intro and outro music so listen to more of his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com thanks to Emily Scarter for the art for our show and thanks of course to all you loyal Patreon supporters our edgelord Patreon supporters at uh, patreon.com slash dedbpod where for just $1 a month you get to vote in polls and uh, listen to bonus podcasts that we do. And uh, right now, around this time, you will be able to participate in another poll that we're doing to pick a topic. And uh, the topic you're going to vote on is our tie-in to Godzilla vs. Kong coming soon, where you all get to vote between two different topics kind of related to that, where there's uh, When Animals Attack movies, uh, which is films where, like, real animals or giant versions of those animals suddenly start attacking humans, or creature features, where it's, like, fictional creatures start attacking humans and stuff. And Shaquille, thank you for being a loyal patron. Uh, Which of those two are you voting for? I'm voting for When Animals Attack. (laughs) Because I'm going to hope that one of y'all pick Anaconda for whatever reason. <laughs> oh, oh, it's got John Voight in it. I don't know. You got to have the, the definitive bad John Voight accent. Oh, it's so <laughs> stupid. With his goddamn ponytail. Oh, that that could be it. If, if, if that ends up getting chosen, that could be your choice. But uh, that's up to you, patrons. I'll you be choose up- the second one, starring Johnny Messner. Anaconda's hunt for the blood orchid. Yep. <laughs> and could. my man Morris Chestnut. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't forget about Morris <laughs> Chestnut. Very, very true. Um, but that's something all you patrons can vote on starting this Wednesday. You'll be able to vote on that. Um, like our lovely guest, Shaquille, who, like we said, thank you for being a patron, but also thank you for being on the show. Why don't you plug yourself? Of course, of course. You can find me on all social medias at Shaq Excellence. S-H-A-K Excellence. That's on all social media, so that means Instagram, TikTok, all that other shit. Um, I stream occasionally over on twitch.tv slash Shaq Excellence. Just follow me and just figure out when I'm going to stream, which is like very sporadic, but it's 
usually always a good time. Uh, you can also check out my podcast, Sequels. That's Sequels with an extra E, so it's S-E-E-Q-U-E-L-S, anywhere podcasts are listened to. You can also find my writing over at cgmbacklot.com. Yes, yeah, so the, the Twitch streams are very fun. I've been on them plenty of times. They're, uh, yes, they're thank enjoyable. You. Every time you come on, it's a good time. Oh, shucks. Yes, I'm just there in the, the fucking chat, like, lol, you dying. <laughs> Keep dying. Exactly. <laughs> Me dying a lot in games that I shouldn't be dying a lot at. <laughs> like, certain Kingdom Hearts levels were very fun to watch you <laughs> struggle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, for more of our antics, you can follow us, as I mentioned, at DEDBpod on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, and also, you can submit feedback to us, doubleedgedoublebill at gmail.com. And uh, you know what you could also do to help support the show if maybe you don't want to be a patron is to buy some merchandise. With our logo on it over at the uh, T Public store for the ESO network, our lovely network, um, where you can order a mug or a t shirt or a face mask. Stay safe with our lovely double edged double bill face mask all over there. And that helps us get a bit of a kickback if you if you buy something. Hell yeah. Yes, yes, for sure. Dollar dollar bill. Literally dollar. Literally dollar dollar. <laughs> literal currency, yes, would be exchanged. Um, and yeah. uh, also, you can find me on my own individual stuff uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd as at not the who's Tommy. And I also do some writing at uh, MarianiThomas.wordpress.com. And I am on Twitter and Instagram at Atom or Adam, A T O M underscore or underscore A D A M. Uh, yeah, not much going on on either of those, but if you want to follow me, have at it. Yes, and uh, for more of uh, us having at it, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, other podcasting platforms like that. If you're listening on ESO, why not listen to the other great shows on the network? Or uh, you can also listen to the entire archive, including the first 60 or so episodes we did before we were on ESO, over on our Podbean main feed. Um, and uh, if nothing else, if you can't buy our merch or become a patron, we would really appreciate it if you could just rate, review, or share the show around, because that gets us more visibility out there. That gets us out into the VR stratosphere, like Russell Crowe looking at screens. Yeah, and it's literally the easiest thing to do. So, I mean, if you can't do it, then I, I, I beg to ask, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Please keep listening. But... Now, it's time to do our picking for next week. And now, Adam, interestingly, uh, we mentioned our Patreons earlier. Uh, we only have to do half the picking for our topic because uh, they all picked yes. our good pick, which were my two choices. And uh, then there's your bad picks, which you have assigned number between 1 and 10 for, uh, for the good and bad choice. And uh, Shaquille ended up picking number between 1 and 10 for those bad choices. But what's the topic we're picking for, Adam? Netflix films. Original Netflix films. Okay, okay, that's interesting. Interesting. There's a there's a wide swath because they release eighty of them a week. So <laughs> did they say there's a releasing one a week every week this year? At least that's their that's their base level. I'm sure they're going to exceed that. They'll just buy everything. How much money are they spending on this shit? I mean, it's where they're constantly in debt, but they keep constantly releasing and making things. They're just like, like, yo, deal with your shit first before you keep making this. <laughs> I don't know, man. They're just, there's, it's just like, fuck it. It's worked this like 10 years now. We'll, we'll keep fucking doing it. Nothing bad could possibly happen. But um, as I mentioned, my two good choices were picked by our patrons. It was between Cargo and then the ultimate winner, which was The Night Comes for Us. Oh, oh hell God. yes. <laughs> I am so excited to talk about that movie. That movie is fucking. And, and the main reason I picked both those choices is I have not seen either. So I'm very curious to watch The Night Comes oh. for Us. Yes. Oh, dude. All I'll say is just like, you're not ready for Night Comes for Us. Even if I've watched both the Raid movies a couple times. Trust me. Yep. 
it makes the raid look PG thirteen by comparison. Ooh. Yes, I agree. Okay. I, it's it's it is a fucking splatter flick. That's basically how I could put it. Well, okay. To quote Denzel, okay. Um, so <laughs> now uh, Shaquille, for Adam's bad choices, pick a number between one and ten, please. Uh, I'm a pick. I'm a pick number six. All right. At number eight, I have one I have not seen. I know very little about it. I've heard very, very mixed things about it. It is the Jamie Foxx, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Project Power. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not an O of confidence. No, no, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's it, it, it was a movie I saw. I don't remember much about it, so. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, look at you. Now I gotta ask, what was the other option? <laughs> Uh, the the uh, other option was the uh, Cloverfield Paradox. Oh, you dodged a bullet. <laughs> I mean, there's at least, I would argue, way more to talk about with the Cloverfield Paradox. There's so much weird no, history with that. I haven't seen Project Power. So okay. we don't know. So we don't know. No, we'll, we'll find out next week. But uh, thank you all for listening. And until next time when we do those Netflix choices, uh, it's time we uh, went back into virtual reality, everybody. Let's jump backward into it. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.